Locked in a room away from your desk, it seems like hell isn't far from existential Textlet chairs on Craigslist say the next bit Setting up the room so there's no way to exit The only part of art is giving what you've got Ready or not, 1200 test shot, a new plot Would it be flexing to get off scot-free for turning the mic west Supposed to be east, no one is distraught This is Crescendo The Crescendo Podcast official disclaimer This podcast is not designed to offend, hurt, mentally damage, or in any way harm your well-being The ideas released in this podcast are open to the world and welcome to interpretation My hope is that it allows you to further solidify what you believe. Take a stance. This is a very special episode. I thought we'd try something new. This season, we've covered major branches of philosophy and ideas about art, but we haven't yet talked about theater, the art form subject to likely the most philosophical discussion. It all came together this week. Here in beautiful Sherburn, Massachusetts, a group of my friends decided back in March to put on a play just for the fun of it. The play is called No Exit, set in hell and written by Jean-Paul Sartre. What I love most about this performance is that it's the definition of a passion project. This cast and their directors isn't affiliated with anything. No theater company, no school, no external funding. And I think that's where creativity is headed. One of the major artistic trends in the last few decades has been the breakdown of large organizations that fund and distribute art and the rise of the individual's power over his or her creative medium. That's what I see in this play. These actors are the pioneers for the trends that continue to evolve in the creative space. They came to me asking to do a podcast about the philosophy and no exit, and here it is, only two days after the last episode, we cranked it out. The first half of today's program is an interview with Les Deux Acteurs, pardon my French, Brett Mellican and Sophie Sharon. The cast also recorded a short scene from their play in their rehearsal space, which will run for the second half of the show. If you are a local listener, the real performance of No Exit will play this Sunday, June 3rd at the fantastic Sherburne Community Center at 1 o'clock and 7 o'clock, which I highly recommend checking out. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I present to you No Exit. So this play is probably one of the most negative plays I've seen in a while I think I think it has it's it's really deep in philosophy but there's a lot of existentialism and, it was and banned connotations from the Catholic church. it was banned from the Catholic church yeah it's one of those those it's one of the works. banned works um we found the list and this this list of works it's it's a pretty big sin to read this play like I like, think it's we're a talking it's like, a damnable offense okay this isn't just like <laughs> yeah you can't come to church yeah. for a week this is like this is like you're going you're actually going to hell yeah so if you want a preview of what's going to happen if you see this play come right. see this play come see the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about what it is, you know, the play. In No Exit. It's a one-act play. It's a one-act play. But it's a long one-act. It's, it's an a hour long, and a half. Hour and a half It's long. an hour and a half. Well, hour and 15. To give you an idea of what happens in No Exit, there are three people who have died, and they were not great people. And they have died and gone to hell. And much to their surprise, they find that hell is not torture. There's no whips. There's no, like, nail pulling. There's no roasting over. Thumb screws. Thumb screws. one of the big ones. No okay. thumb screws. What is a thumb screw? I don't know. Uh, it's we looked it up one we day. It's just a screw that goes into your thumb. Oh. But I will say they reference it like six times. Yeah, so I guess it's a pretty common hell related thing. So they go to hell, right? All right. Kind of as one does. As one does when you're a terrible person. Up, right? But they find that hell isn't any of that. It's just a waiting room. They're okay. just put into this little waiting room. With it's like the DMV. Three couches, kind of. Yeah, okay. Cool. They go. There are three couches, and they're just put in. And they're saying. Here you go. That's what they explore in the play. Right. How yeah. is being with two other people who are planned that they're going to be different than you in a yeah. way, how does that affect you? For the most part of it, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Because they're told nothing. Okay. Except I mean, for that they won't get a toothbrush. Exactly. They are told they will not receive a toothbrush. Okay. For a lot of it, they're trying to figure out like, okay, why are we here? Why were we put here? 
And a big part of it ends up being them asking each other, why are you in hell? Here's what I love about it. Part of the reason that I chose it is that it is a very interesting play in its philosophical element, but it's also just very entertaining. What's really cool is that all of the actors have a really good grasp on their character. And they all are really game to explore what is going on. There have been rehearsals awesome. that have just devolved into us discussing the awesome. characters and the philosophy Which is exactly how it. we wanted it. That was the whole point of doing this whole thing is that we didn't want it to be a traditional school production in that you spend this rehearsal doing this, this rehearsal doing this. You wanted this. a passion project. Yeah. Exactly. It's a passion yeah. project. Let's dive into the philosophy behind it. So this is a play that's set in hell. All three people are in hell, so they're not good people. Some, they did something. They have, have to come. Read I read the detailed spark notes. Whole That'll thing. do it. There's some good spark <laughs> notes. Some good spark in fact, I'm going to link it in the description because the analysis is really good, I thought. What's really interesting is the way the play treats time. What we see in the play, it's like an hour and a half through the experience of the characters, they can still see the outside world. Time is going very fast on Earth. So probably like 10 minutes in the play is two months on Earth. Yeah. Oh, wow. There'll be references where there'll be like, so-and-so died while we were doing such and such. And that was literally two pages ago in the play. What are your thoughts on existentialism as a whole? Like, as can a you whole. give interpretation about how you view the philosophy and then how it relates to no exit? All right. I think- There's a lot of thinking. Sartre is a little more negative than I would be. We talked about like the whole hell is other people thing. Yes, that's his big thing. That's the big thing. Sort of the thesis of the play. Thing, right. no exit, but that's kind of his big thing in his life. Yeah, so. That's his major philosophy in life. A lot of people know that saying, and that's from this play. This was the first time that was said. And it's said a lot now. When they say hell is other people, it's more like, I don't like spending time with people. People are annoying. Right. But that, in the context of this play, is not what it means at all. Hell is other people means in this play. According to Sartre. According to Sartre, the entirety of human suffering, any like anguish a person feels is due to the fact that there are other people. The fact that other people can look at you and judge you and define what you do leads to your suffering. So to Sartre, heaven would be just a person alone. And the only time that a person could be absolutely free to be their true selves and do what they want would be absolutely alone with no other people. And by putting these three in a room together where they're all so judgmental, that's the where ultimate they all punishment. Aggravate each other. Judging what each other did and yeah. wanting to define themselves in a certain way, which also leads to another huge idea in this, which is Sartre's idea of bad faith. People change who they truly are based on the expectations of society and the expectations yeah. of other, and they're not what they truly want to be. And in this play, through the character, Characters, you see different levels of that through the three of them. Especially with a huge part of it being that they're revealing what they did to lead them to go to hell. That whole process is really them defining themselves and defining them in the way they want to be defined. If you go on YouTube and look for productions of No Exit, you get a lot of college students. It's a big who, college It's one. a big college one. Okay. And it's a lot of people performing it very cold. Yes. That's the that's best totally way to right. describe it is that a lot of other productions of No Exit that I've seen take the human element out of it and sort of focus just on the philosophical side. Where it's, it almost seems like the human element is what makes the philosophical side so much more poignant. Right, because you could just talk about philosophy all day, but the whole point of the play is that it's exactly, bringing that out. Exactly. We, we in our play, at the same time, wanted to make a play that someone who has no idea about existentialism could come and enjoy. Yeah. You're using the play as a vessel for the ideas rather than just the ideas straight out in your face. Exactly. Yeah. Because when you watch No Exit versions that have the ideas just straight out in your face, you lose something. I think sometimes people get more caught up in the philosophical ideas in it and sort of lose what makes it just a good play. I feel the same way about, um, I'm really in the electronic music community, but I feel mm -hmm. the same way as that 70% of the people who make electronic music are like math nerds and that's it. 
and they what yeah. they do is they see the technical level, but they're not they can't make good music. Like they're not musicians. I right. feel the same way. It sounds very similar well, to what you're talking about. I, I mean, what MDR. arts? What the arts is is expression of humanness. Yeah. And, and so good to stuff, take the human part out of it just seems so. Yeah. And and like the. The good art, any good art you go back and look at, like even the super old stuff, it's not just a concept or an idea. It, it's presented in an intriguing way, and that's what makes it last. So you think that the whole point of art is to have that idea, but shift Because what is art if it's not accessible to people? A vessel to bring experience or ideas in a way that's accessible for people to understand. It's sort of a way of breaking down a concept into a way that people can enjoy it and at the same time understand it. Can we talk about the mirror really quick? Because that, that has some some serious significance, too. Okay, and the, the mirror. Let's talk about the mirror. I mean, there are no mirrors and no exit. There, it's true. There are exactly no mirrors. Which makes you wonder. It's well, just, they should have called it no mirrors. What happens? No, there's <laughs> no exit too. Maybe they should have called it no exit or mirrors. <laughs> or Perhaps. furniture or that can move. Clove. Here's my understanding of how the mirror functions in this, is that the mirror is the way that the characters are able to see themselves and make their own ideas of who they are yeah. and judge themselves. But what happens in this situation where there are no mirrors is that who they are is entirely defined by what the other people think. Right. And then the other significant thing is that they can't turn off the lights. Exactly. Ever. They're and never so they're kind of, st- and they can't close their eyes. They're always stuck in other people's perceptions of them. They can never block them out. So that goes back to the whole hell is in other people. Like, you know, you can't no turn escape. off other people's release into your sleep. They right. don't blink. They can't turn off the lights, they can't see themselves. Like, there's one character that covers his face to try and get refuge from... Okay. Like, who they are is entirely defined by what other people think and the judgments of others. Oh, and then there's Boy. (laughs) And then there's Boy. Let's talk about Boy. So, Boy (laughs) Otherwise known as Valet. Otherwise known as Samuel Spalding Gray. Yes. So, Boy is the valet bellboy who leads all these people into the room. Okay. He brings them in, and he only really has dialogue with one of the characters. What do we say about Boy? I mean, Boy makes you wonder a lot about where they are at the yeah. beginning of the play because he's very flat. He doesn't give them a lot of information. And he also... He gets a little angry at one point. What you learn from Boy is that Boy has done this many times before. It's old news. And there's a huge complex outside this room. Okay. This is not... This is more than just the room. Correct. Exactly. Well, our talks- favorite Boy line is... When I have my days off, I go to visit my uncle on the third floor. What does that mean? What is where that mean? are they? And he all, they have a whole discussion where Prudhoe asks, is it daytime? And he's like, what are you talking about? Are the lights on? Or he says, like, is it light out? He's like, the lights are on. Yeah. And he's like, well, what's outside the door? And he's like, more doors. Okay, let's talk about history. The history. All right, oh, so. we love the history. No Exit was written in 1944 during the German occupation of France. And at this time, Jean-Paul Sartre, he was not a fan of the Nazis. He was not a Credot. What's interesting about the original version of the play that was written in 1944 and performed in Paris under Nazi occupation is that the name of um, Vincent Credot is changed to Joseph Garcin, hmm. and he is from Rio. The war and everything that Joseph Garcin talks about is this revolution that happens in Rio. And he's talking all about this, but there are some interesting things that we learned. But what's interesting is in the original dialogue about Garcin, you can tell pretty much that Sartre's talking about the Nazis. But because it was under Nazi occupation. They couldn't say anything. And um, but there's a bunch of other stuff in the play that sort of points out that this is about the Nazis, and part of it comes to hell is other people, which in original French is L'enfer et les autres. And something we learned, which is really interesting, les autres, 
translates to the others. And something really interesting that we read about is that during the time of Nazi occupation in France, Nazis were actually referred to as the others. by the native French people who lived there before occupation. And in the original script of No Exit, Utra is capitalized. Whoa. Right? Yeah. So this is where, (laughs) this is the kind of thing where, obviously, I don't think the Nazis knew that they referred to as the others. I don't know, it's possible. I mean, probably someone knew, but World War II So the the play's kind of just about Nazis. It is. No, it, like, when he references all the things about war and whatever, Mm -hmm. you can tell it's about the Nazis. That maybe that could be a a result of our translation, is that... Yeah, I think our our translation, Paul Bowles was like... I know what he's talking about. He went hard on the Nazis. So I'm going to... There are many times that Crudo talks about being called a collaborator, and sometimes the other characters use that to sort of bother him. Or Yeah. No! No, don't take your hands away! I know what's behind. You have no face! Oh. I don't know you. I'm not the torturer, madam. I, I didn't think that's who you were. I thought someone was playing a trick on me, that's all. Are you expecting anyone else? No one else is coming. Oh. So that is to be just the three of us? Oh. <laughs> it's not a laughing matter. Oh, I know. It's just, these Devons are so hideous. And look how they've set them out in a row. I feel as if it were New Year's and I was visiting my Aunt Marie. Each one has his own Devon, I suppose. The green one's mine. But I shall never be able to sit down on it. It's frightful. I'm in this shade of blue, and it's spinach green. Would you like mine? That red one? Oh, that's awfully nice of you, but I'm afraid it wouldn't be much better. What can one expect? Each one gets his own little prize. Mine's the green one. I'll keep it. Actually, the only one that could possibly match at all is this one the gentleman's sitting on. Did you hear, Crudeau? The chair! Excuse me. It's yours, madam. Oh, thank you. Now, since we're going to be living together, I think we should make each other's acquaintance. I'm Estelle Delaunay. And as Serrano, I'm delighted. Vincent Crudeau, journalist and writer. Do you need me for anything? No, I'll ring for you. You're very lovely to look at, and I'm very happy. I wish we had some flowers to make you feel more at home. Flowers? Oh, yes, I always loved flowers. But they'd wither here, it's so hot. Oh dear. The important thing, I suppose, is to keep in a good humor. You, uh... Yes, last week. And you? I? Yesterday. The funeral isn't over yet. The wind's blowing my sister's veil around, and she's doing everything she can to cry. Oh, come on, try a little harder than that. There. Two tears. Two tiny little tears glittering under her crepe. Oh, I must say, Millicent's especially ugly this morning. She's hanging on to her sister's arm, but she doesn't dare cry because it would ruin her mascara. I must say, if I was in her place, I... Well... After all, we were best friends. Did you suffer very much? No, I was barely conscious. What did you die of? Pneumonia. Oh, it's over, they're leaving.
Good morning, good morning, such a lot of handshaking. Oh, my husband is absolutely ill, he's so unhappy. He stayed home. And you? Gas. And you? Twelve bullets in my carcass. I'm sorry. I'm afraid I'm not a very high-class corpse. No, no, it's just... I wish you wouldn't use such crude words. It's... It's a little disgusting, don't you think? And, after all, what does it even mean? It well may be that we've never been more alive than we are right now. If we must give a name to this state of affairs, then I suggest we call it absence. It sounds so much nicer, don't you think? Have you been absent long? About a month. Where are you from? Paris. Have you got anyone left back there? My wife. She came to the jail every other day. They wouldn't let her in. She's looking in through the bars now. She doesn't know that I'm absent, but she suspects. She's dressed in all black. So much the better. She won't have to change. She's, the sun is nice and bright, and she's in black. There, in those empty streets, with those big eyes like a victim. Ah, she gets on my nerves. Estelle. Pardon me, Monsieur Curdo. I beg your pardon? You're sitting on my chair. Oh, please excuse me. You look so wrapped up. Yes. I was putting my life in order. <laughs> I think it would be better if others did the same. My life is in order. Completely in order. It did it all by itself back there, and I don't need to worry about it here. Do you really think it's that simple? What heat? May I? Oh, no! I'm sorry. It's just, I can't stand men in shirt sleeves. That's all right. I used to spend all night in the copy room anyway. It was always hot as a jungle in there. It is hot as a jungle in there right now. It's night. So it is. Already night. Millicent's getting undressed for bed. How fast time flies there. It's night. The windows are shuttered and the door is empty, and the room is dark and cold. They've put their chairs on the backs and rolled up their shirt sleeves. You know, I used to live that way, with men around in their shirt sleeves. Well, we don't happen to have the same taste. That's all that proves. And you? Do you like men in shirt sleeves? Shirts or no shirts. I'm not very fond of men, anyway. <laughs> but why? Why have they put us together? <laughs> What's that? I look at you two, and I think how we're going to be living together. I somehow expected to find friends. Family. A lovely friend with a hole in the middle of his face. Yes, that one too. He did a room like an absolute professional. But why? Why have they put us together? It's chance. They put us in order of their arrival. <laughs> what are you laughing at? At you and your chance. Do you need to be reassured that badly? They leave nothing to chance. Perhaps we've met somewhere before. Never. I'd never have forgotten you. Then maybe we have friends in common? Don't you know the Dubois Seymours? I doubt it very much. They're always entertaining. Everyone goes. What do they do? Do? Why, nothing, of course. They had that big place at Cannes, and they- I was a secretary. Oh! 
All right. Well, in that case. And you, Monsieur Cardo? I never left Paris. I found enough trouble right there. Well, in that case, you must be right. It's pure chance that brought us together. Chance? Then this furniture is just here by chance. It's just chance that the divan on the left is green and the one on the right is red. And that statue, is that there by chance? Try moving them around and see how it goes for you. And this heat, this heat. I tell you nothing is here by chance. This room was made for us. It was waiting for us. Crescendo Podcast is written, recorded, produced, mixed, and published by me, Maywood. Every track you hear on this show is my original content, with the exception of the intro and outro track, which was written by Acids and Last Voyage and published on Distance Records. You hear it everywhere, but it actually does help when you subscribe on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much to Cry to Form, who designed the purple logo. Thanks to John Hargrave, father, blockchain enthusiast, talented chef, and slap bass player for your continued support and encouragement. And thanks to the staff and friends on Cream Dart for the feedback and good vibes. You just listened to half an hour of content that you hopefully enjoyed, and I'll keep the money talk short and sweet. My challenge for you today is this. I don't believe that you will donate some Bitcoin. My challenge for you is to be the person that stands up for independent content creators. Prove me wrong and donate a few dollars of Bitcoin to the address that can be found in my bio on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever else. Just copy and paste the address into the send part of your app. Best of luck. Good night, Jake. Uh, good night, Jake.